morning. It's good to have you here this morning, and I uh, just want to start off with a few announcements. Um, first, tonight at 6 o'clock, we have our fall fellowship in the fellowship hall, um, chili cook-off. And so we would love to have you there, bring your best pot of chili, and come and enjoy a time together with our church family. Uh, that is tonight at 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Uh, a couple other announcements. One, shoe boxes. If you have your shoe box, those are due, I think the date was today. Um, but if you have them and you didn't bring them today, just connect with, with myself or Neil, and we can get those from you and take them to the, to the, uh, the pickup center. Um, but thank you, all, thank you all for filling those out. Next Sunday will work, says Neil. So if you wait until after that, talk to him. Um, next Sunday, so shoe boxes next Sunday. A um, couple other things we have coming up. One is our shirt fundraiser. If you could fill those out, that form in the back, if you haven't already, we are collecting um, money to go towards shirts. That, that money will go towards our trip that our college, um, our college age students are taking in January. So if you would like a shirt, we're going to try to have next Sunday be the last day to sign up for those shirts, and then we'll make an order. So if you haven't already and you want a shirt, please sign up in the, in the welcome table. And also, One Night in Bethlehem is coming up very, very soon. Um, it seems every year it comes up sooner and sooner. So Miss Crystal, who's in charge, is going to come and give a little spiel about One Night in Bethlehem, and then we'll get started with worship. Good morning. Good morning. Y'all know when I'm up here, I'm, I'm talking about One Night. So I know we have a lot of new members that know nothing about One Night, but it's a great opportunity to volunteer and um, just you can see me, and I have plenty of spots available. And the first cleanup, I wanted to mention that the first cleanup will be the 19th, which is next Sunday at 5 o'clock. I had to put it at 5 o'clock because it's getting darker sooner. So we need all hands on deck to get it cleaned up and um, maybe some repair on the buildings. But I look forward to seeing each and every one of y'all there. So thank you. And we have another speaker, Mr. Durrell. Those of you that have known me for many, many years know there's one thing very dear to my heart, and that's veterans, and Veterans Day especially. Uh, we had a really good ceremony down at uh, Central Hatchet Park yesterday. Uh, we do that every year. Uh, depending on when Veterans Day falls is depending on when we do it, because we always do it on a Saturday so that everybody's off work and they can attend. And we actually had a full house yesterday. Uh, and we, if any of you were there, I really appreciate it. And uh, next year, I'll do a little bit better about announcing it. Uh, I've been out sick for the last couple of weeks, and so I didn't get the, uh, the word to Neil to remind everybody. So I'll do better next year. But what I would like to do today, and I always do around uh, Veterans Day, usually the Sunday before, but we'll do it the Sunday after today, is all of you that are here that have served, whether you are, were in the reserves, uh, the rule is if you serve one day in, in the military and you got a discharge other than dishonorable, uh, you qualify as a veteran now. So I want all the veterans to stand, please. Let us recognize them all today. 
thank you. You know, uh, we have a large number of veterans uh, in this church. We have a large number of veterans in this county. And until you go to a, a meeting uh, of veterans, uh, you just don't realize how many they are. Uh, we have we have a lot of the older guys, you know, like myself, that are from the Vietnam area. But uh, we've got a lot of young guys in our county now that have uh, served during uh, Iraq, Afghanistan uh, conflict and who are just currently serving because they were called to serve in the military. And personally, I thank each and every one of you. Our reading today is going to be from Luke uh, chapter 4, verses 14 uh, through 22. And uh, I'm going to try my best not to steal too much from Neil's sermon today because as you know, each week, the passage that we read uh, before service and to open service is related to the passage that Neil is going to be preaching on. Well, in Luke 4, the part that I'm going to read talks about uh, Jesus' uh, public ministry. Well, Neil will be preaching about today what I read today in Isaiah Seven centuries earlier, it was predestined that this is what would happen. And we all know that we find so much uh, in the Old Testament that relates to what really happened in the New Testament. So, so you know that that has got to be God's work. There's got to be God's plan for us today to have these words for everybody to read so that we can understand what the Old Testament is predicting and what actually happens in the New Testament. Uh, I think yesterday uh, uh, I heard either on the radio or on TV one that uh, you know in the in the in the United States we have more than two million, uh, well, let me take that back. Uh, over in Israel, uh, in the Palestine uh, people, there are two million Christians that are Palestinians. And that's why Israel is trying to get so many of the Christians out of the conflict that's going on over there. Uh, they know and they understand that the Christians are important not only to Israel, but the Christians are important to us today. And uh, Jesus does a lot of preaching uh, concerning that. And, you know, throughout the Bible that we're taught to love each other. And, you know, each and every day we should make it a point that somebody that we come in contact with is to tell them that we love them, not only just shake their hand, but, you know, let them know that as human beings, that, you know, that we love each other. I'll get back on close to here. I just got carried away there. Don't put me in front of a group of people. That's what I always say. <laughs> but anyway, back to Luke 4, uh, verse 14. Uh, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding regions. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. 
And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all the people in the synagogue were intently directed at him. Now he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's what Jesus said to them. I'm going to say it again. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in, in your hearing. And all of the people were speaking well of him and admiring the gracious words which were coming from his lips. And yet they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Let us pray. Our most kind and merciful Father, we just come to you today. and We just thank you so much for allowing us to be able to worship you in your house, Father, and be able to hear words and be able to study your words, Father, and we're just so thankful for everyone that is here today. We're thankful for all of our leaders in this church, Father. Just pray that you be with Neil as he brings us the message, and just keep our, our ears open, and our, our, let us uh, understand each and everything that he says that uh, is predicted from the Old Testament and comes to true in the New Testament, Father, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for having the word written so that we may be able to read and study it today. Father, just bless everyone that is here. We just thank, we're just so thankful for each and every one of them. And this we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. We're going to begin singing this morning with He Keeps Me Singing. If you'll stand and worship with us.
freshman this morning with a hymn at my mother's request. This is one she will sit down and play at the piano. But it kind of made me think this morning when I was growing up, my nanny used to clean the First Baptist Church in Franklin. Um, and I would go with her sometimes. But my mom and my nanny both made a per like a point to have me look through hymnals and have me look at songs and hymnals and sing those hymnals to me. Um, and so here's some really sweet hymnals that we don't necessarily, hymns, so I don't know why I keep saying hymnals. There's some really sweet hymns that we don't really sing enough, but if we put them in our lives and we put them in our minds, they help us every day. And this is certainly one of those hymns. So we're going to sing, I Got Peace Like the River.
you stand? We're going to sing in Christ alone together. gratefulness and thankfulness, God. Lord, first and foremost, our veterans who serve our country, God, and, and really provided the freedom for us to be able to meet and gather and fellowship as believers 
in your house this morning, God. Lord, I just pray a special blessing for them. And Lord, I just thank you that um, we're a church that comes together and sings and worships and studies and loves God, loves endlessly. Lord, this morning, as we open up the book of Isaiah, God, may you just speak clearly to us, God. And Lord, as your elders already pray, God, may we just have new um, revelations this morning, God, of how everything you predicted comes true, God. Lord, everything you promise us comes true, God. And Lord, may we um, just be reminded, God, that you never leave us or forsake us, God, and that you alone are our rescue. And we have so many reasons to sing because Jesus is truly the sweetest name we know. And you never leave our side, God, and you never forsake us because in Christ alone, God, we've been saved. And if we've accepted that precious gift of salvation, God, your spirit never leaves us, God. So may it lead us, guide us, and direct us. May it speak clearly to us this morning as we open your word. And may you speak clearly through Pastor Neil. Be with our children that are going to children's church and our nursery workers as well. We just love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are in the back for children's church. Hey, as we turn to Isaiah, uh, I will remind you for our children's ministry, uh, ages pre-K through 2nd now are in children's church and for uh, children who are in third through fifth don't forget slap packs are available okay so if you want to go back there and get your slap pack ages three grades three through five you now have my permission to do that if you do not know what a slap pack is ask me after the service because i'm not going to try to explain that right now we've said previously anyway it's a good thing so grades three through five, you have permission to go get your slap pack. Hey, the rest of us turn to Isaiah. We are nearing the end of our series through this powerful prophetic book. Uh, Derail did a good job of the context behind Isaiah 61, which is where we're going to be uh, preaching from this morning. But I do want you to know that this is uh, this week, then two more weeks, then we'll be in Advent. So the thing is, as we move through Isaiah, we've skipped a lot. Intentionally hitting the, the high marks. It's kind of like if you're in a decent movie and you leave to go get popcorn, you come back and like the, the, the story's unfolding and you say to whoever you're sitting by, what happened? And they say, shh, I'll tell you about it later. You're interrupting me. I hope that you're reading through Isaiah between the sermons. Because if you're not, you're missing a good deal of the context that's important in understanding where we are on the particular peaks. I say that in passing because, man, in Isaiah 61 today, I'm skipping a lot of important stuff. So the temptation is to get some of that stuff before we get into Isaiah 61. I'm just going to give you one. Okay, so before we get into Isaiah 61, look at 59, 1, 2, 3, and possibly 4. And here's the issue. Why do we need an anointed servant of God to come down and save us? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you people? Isaiah 59 diagnoses the situation. 
Behold, the Lord's... I'm in Isaiah 59.1. Okay, they're, they're with me back there too. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it can't save. Neither is his ear so dull that it can't hear. But your iniquities have made separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken falsehood, your tongue mutters wickedness. Sounds a lot like Romans 3. No one sues righteously, no one pleads honestly. They trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. We'll stop there, that's enough. Isaiah 59 tells us of the great need of humanity. And so we are left asking the question, who can save us? We are in no condition to save ourselves. We need salvation from outside of ourselves. Only God can help us now. Isaiah 61 then, that's my intro to what we have in Isaiah 61, where we are introduced to, yet again... A Savior, a Messiah figure, a chosen one, an anointed one, God's suffering servant. And throughout the book of Isaiah, he has shown us all these different pictures and angles of, of Jesus. And the reason we know that this is referring specifically to Jesus, Durell already covered from Luke chapter 4. So I hope and pray you are paying attention there because he already did some of the necessary uh, work in introducing this particular passage. So let's get into Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to read all 11 verses. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now it's interesting that when Jesus began his ministry and read from the scroll in the synagogue, he stopped at the end of the first part of verse 2 to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's when he closed the scroll back, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. Hold that thought. Because it continues in verse 2, Isaiah does, and says, and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, Beauty instead of ashes, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Verse 4, then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations and strangers will stand and pasture your flocks. Foreigners will be your farmers, your vine dressers, but you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth, the wealth of nations. 
and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offering. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. Verse 10 seems to shift again back to the words of the anointed servant, the Messiah. So read this almost as personal testimony from the Messiah. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to, to spring up. There's that phrase again, to spring up before all the nations. Father, we are grateful for your word. We know your word is true, it's powerful, it's living, it's alive, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. This is a book that, that reads us. And so we pray, Lord, in humility and honesty, we would open up our hearts and minds to allow you to read us, diagnose us, so that we can become aware of our need for grace and our need to share grace. Thank you for the wonderful saving ministry of the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, which which is the source of our salvation now and forever. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, so because of the way the rest of the Bible interprets for us Isaiah 61, we know that this is ultimately about Jesus. It's ultimately about Jesus. Jesus shocked the local synagogue when he stood up and he said, this was written about me. He shocked them even further in his explanation of this reading in that he made it clear that God's plan in sending the anointed Messiah was not just for God's people, but for all the nations to have the opportunity to become a part of God's people. And throughout the book of Isaiah, we have this emphasis on the nations. The nations. And Jesus said in his great commission, go and preach the gospel to all people groups. So here is a worldwide, generational-wide scope of the Messiah's ministry. But, before I get into this, I had a hymn on my mind, and no, I'm not going to sing it. Somebody said, ah, don't don't tempt me. Don't put me in front of a a group of people either. Uh, You know I'll break out into singing. Um, And I didn't, you know, I didn't request this of Catherine last minute, but uh, earlier this week when I was thinking about this message and 
and all that Isaiah is saying. Do y'all remember that hymn, More About Jesus? Any of you familiar with that hymn, More About Jesus? More about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me, more, more about Jesus, there I go. Um, more and more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. Have you noticed that Isaiah keeps coming back to these different aspects of Jesus? We had four suffering servant songs that we preached through. Isaiah 53 emphasized the atoning death of Christ, his sacrifice, his substitution. Isaiah 42, 1 introduced Christ as the chosen one, the Messiah, the one anointed by God. Every week, we have more about Jesus. And here's the thing, you and I need to know more about Jesus. Christianity is Christ. And we are called to run to him for salvation. We are called to serve and love like him in, in our lives. And the ultimate plan of, of, of the gospel and of salvation is to make us like him. One day, we shall be like Jesus. So if you ask me, the preacher, why do you keep saying so much about Jesus? It's because the whole thing is about Jesus. And it becomes clear when you preach through books of the Bible that what God wants us to behold is our pitiful, sinful condition. And then look at what He has done for us by His grace to deal with the pitiful, sinful condition. So this morning, I'm just going to pretty quickly, uh, maybe, give us seven aspects of the Messiah's ministry. They're all in Isaiah 61. Seven aspects of the Messiah's ministry. Isaiah is telling us when he comes, this is who he is, this is what he's going to be about, this is what he's not going to do, and this is what he is going to do. So let's walk through Isaiah 61. All right, the first thing I want us to notice is his anointing. Why do we call Jesus Messiah? It's because he is... Utterly unique, very God of very God. He is in one group and we're all in the other. He is the anointed one. So we've got to consider first this, this anointing. What, what is the anointing? Look in verse 1. It's the anointing by sovereign Lord God of the Spirit upon me. Not me, not Neil Aubrey, but the me is Jesus. He personalized this. He applied this to himself. Because the Lord, Yahweh, the sovereign, personal, saving, covenant God of his people, has anointed me. He uses that word twice, and that's where we get the word Messiah. Now what this tells us is that the Spirit of God was upon the Son of God because of God the Father's ultimate plan, which he planned in eternity past to come and rescue us and save us. So you and I are totally dependent upon the Spirit of God working in the life of the Son of God in order to save us so that we might become the people of God. So notice in Jesus' life 
just from the beginning of the Gospels, the role the Holy Spirit plays in the life or has in the life of Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Luke chapter 3, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Remember that? At his baptism, the Spirit comes down in a, in a gentle, condescending way. And, and the Spirit of God rests upon the Son of God. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness. It is the Spirit who led him into the wilderness to be tempted and tested by Satan in the wilderness. In Luke 4.14, introducing the passage Durell read from that gospel, it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So the anointing of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, by the Holy Spirit, listen, it was in fullness it was in perfection. It, it, it was in, 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 a, in an intensity and, and a permanent and a more glorious way than the Spirit had ever rested on any other prophet, any other priest, any other king, or any other person. And later we find the Spirit rests in and upon us. But only once here, did the Spirit come and rest on one completely without sin, totally perfect, totally surrendered? The Spirit goes to work in me and you, and we're still battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. So there's a way in which we could say the Spirit rests on us, but he's, he ain't got much to work with. <laughs> ah, the Spirit, Spirit rested on Christ. And that's why he was able to empower and perfection, live a life without sin, subduing and binding the strong man in order to set us free. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the ministry of Jesus is kind of summarized in this. Uh, it's a bit of an understatement, but, but in Acts 10, 38, the Bible says, You know of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. With the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God was with him. So let's consider first his anointing. Let's move on. Number two, his arrival. His arrival. In, in verse 1, Yeah, I'm looking in my Bible. Verse 1's pretty long, so I had to make sure it was still in verse 1. Look at this, look at this phrase. He has sent me. Not only would the Messiah be anointed, but he would be sent. He would come down. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. And so when Jesus stands in Luke 4 and reads at the beginning of his ministry, he's basically saying, not only am I anointed, but I'm here. I'm here in living color. I'm here for your ears to hear, your eyes to see, your hands to handle. He is the bread of life come down and dwelling among us. The Bible says of him, he tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. So not only was he anointed, but his anointing 
was for a purpose to come down and be with you and me. If somebody calls you up and they say, hey, I'm, I'm going to come out and I'm going to hang out with you for a few days. I'm going to camp out at your house. You would say, uh-oh. <laughs> if they're really coming, then I've got to make some adjustments. They're going to be in my time. They're going to be in my space. They're going to be eating my food. They're going to be watching my television. <laughs> when he arrives... He immediately makes tangible, real time and space impact. Jesus is the anointed one who was sent by God the Father on a mission to come down to earth where we are in flesh and blood without sin in order to save us. When he arrived in the flesh in order to accomplish his mission, Listen to this phrase, I must be about my father's business. And his whole life and ministry was to be the sent one who would be, listen, it's, it's called incarnational. Getting down and dirty with the real condition of a humanity exiled and separated from God. So his anointing, his arrival, his announcements... Every week we make announcements here in our church. And as someone has said, announcements, announcements, uh, what a terrible death to die. <laughs> and oftentimes we make announcements, and, 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 and I have, my grandmother, she did this all the time. She would say, uh, hey, when's so-and-so? I said, Grandmama, we announced that in church three straight Sundays. So, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice, you know. I'm that way about announcements, too. But here are some announcements that we lean into because they are so wonderful and so powerful. Listen, you're watching a TV show again, and you hear this, breaking news. We interrupt this program to bring you, what, this special news report. And sometimes the children in the room are like, oh. But the adults in the room know that, hey, let's tune in. Let's lean in. This is going to be something we need to know. Now, what Isaiah 61 begins to tell us is, look, he came to bring good news, to proclaim liberty, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So when the son who is anointed arrives, he begins announcing something called good news, the gospel. And Christianity is primarily and ultimately good news concerning the bad news of the sinfulness and the brokenness of humanity. A guy sent me a text this week. He said, can I send you some good news? I said, man, absolutely. In a broken, fallen, sad world where every day we're bombarded with all this news, I'd love some good news. And he said, someone that I have been praying for, their leukemia is now completely in remission. I said, man, that's refreshing. That's encouraging. The life and ministry of the Messiah was to proclaim powerful and saving good news. And the essence of it is our God reigns. Now let me get back to what I said earlier I would talk about. What did I say earlier I would talk about? This phrase in verse 2, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. 
do you realize that what Jesus is doing there is he is saying he is the ultimate jubilee. Did any of y'all grow up in homes that had that southern gospel jubilee? Jubilee, jubilee. My grandfather was a minister, watched that, and I had that song in my mind. Jubilee. We invite you to the happy jubilee. Jubilee has a very powerful theological emphasis. In Leviticus 25, God in his law has prescribed every 50th year to be a year of jubilee. Everybody's debt would be paid off. People would take a year off of work. If you had had land taken away from you, you would get that land back. And so every 50th year, a jubilee would be proclaimed. And it would be so much better than hearing on the news the night before, school is canceled tomorrow in Heard County because of snow. (laughs) That kind of announcement. All my debts paid off? We don't have to work for a year? God has provided enough for us all to have the ultimate jubilee. When Jesus stands, he is saying the jubilees that God prescribed in the Old Testament are now powerful and available to everyone through a living, vital relationship with Christ. I don't have time to get into this aspect of Jubilee in Leviticus 25, but Jesus was saying, basically, grace and joy and freedom and liberty and salvation and forgiveness is now available because I am here. Trust in me, believe in me, rejoice in me, run to me. This is a time of grace. It's a time of opportunity. It's a time of salvation. He was announcing the favorable year of the Lord, but look, and then he stopped. Because we are now in the season of grace. We are now in the season of opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. This is the church age. We're preaching the good news. We're proclaiming the good news. But there will be a day of vengeance. And Jesus also is promising and warning us concerning that day. But we'll get to that later. I must move on. Do you hear his announcements? He is proclaiming good news. But ultimately you need to know that he is the good news. It's a person. All right, consider also his audience. There are five references here to the types of people he came to address. Who's the good news for? Why is he anointed? Who is he sent to help? Well, here they are. The afflicted, who are the humble poor, the penitent poor, those oppressed by others, the brokenhearted. Uh, They're not hardened, but they're despondent, discouraged, crushed, sad in their spirit. The afflicted, the brokenhearted, the captives, those in bondage. The ultimate bondage, of course, is to sin and death. The Satan himself, the prisoners, likewise, kind of a repeated phrase. And the mourners, those who are sad, those who are grieving, those who are in despair. Which begs the question, why are there people in our world who are afflicted, brokenhearted, captive prisoners who are sad? 
These conditions exist, this audience exists, because we are in a fallen, broken world, alienated and exiled from God. Which is the whole reason the anointed one is anointed and sent. He's sent for the afflicted, for the brokenhearted, for the captives, for the prisoners, for the the mourners. These conditions are the result of sin. The fall, the curse, the effects of the world, the flesh, the devil. This is the weight and the impact sin has on people like you and me. It renders us despairing and dysfunctional. So do not think that you're not in this audience, even if you don't realize it. It's kind of like when you go run into some of your old classmates, or maybe you go to one of your high school reunions and you say to yourself, who are all these old people? See, you've been around yourself every day for the last 53 years. No, we're all in this group. It's not other people. This means you. You and I are the afflicted. You and I are the broken. You and I are captives. You and I are prisoners. You and I are mourners. And those who will never own that or admit that will never come to the banquet of the Jubilee. So it's by by God's grace that you see this. It's by God's grace that you finally feel the weight of brokenness and affliction and sadness and imprisonment and bondage. You see those no trespassing signs, and some of those people have put under the bottom of that sign, this means you, right? Because some of us just don't get it. We don't realize that what's going around is going to come around, and we think that problems and issues and bad, th- th- those are things other people go through until, until it comes to roost in, in your own heart and life. His audience. And I say again, you read the rest of Luke chapter 4. They got so mad at Jesus They were so infuriated with Jesus after he stood and read that scroll. Not only was he claiming to be the anointed one of God, which means he is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. We'll work that out later. But he claimed that God through him was reaching out to the afflicted, broken, captive prisoners and mourners who were outsiders, sinners, separated, the castaways, those who were beyond the pale, so to speak. It made them so mad that just their physical heritage wasn't going to save them, that they needed a Messiah as much as the the Gentile dogs, that in that very scene in Nazareth, they wanted to kill him. And in fact, they are eventually going to do what? They're going to kill him. They're going to kill God. They're going to be so angry about God's grace that they are willing to kill someone else because they hate grace and don't think that they need grace. That's all in his audience. I've got to move on. You also need to consider here his actions. Let's work through this. He, he, he brings... He doesn't just speak it. He brings it. He binds, heals, stabilizes, comforts, grants, giving them a beautiful garland instead of ashes, praise rather than despair. He's not just speaking, and he's not just speaking to a certain group of people. He's actually putting into practice the whole message. 
He's opening the eyes of the blind. He's raising the dead. He's feeding 5,000 with just just a few small fish and bread. Uh, He's healing. He's binding. Look at his whole ministry. Look at his actions. They're gracious. They're miraculous. They're powerful. How does he do this? He's the anointed one. Fully empowered by God's Spirit to do God's work. Look at his attributes. I'm already on number six. Uh, He's full of grace and truth. See, if you look at his actions, you realize his character. He's gracious. He's generous. He's kind. He's also holy. He's also righteous. He's also very severe. He's powerful. He's faithful. He's eternal. He's joyful. He's patient and he's long-suffering. Now is the day of grace, but then will be the day of the Lord, the day of vengeance. Do not presume on tomorrow for any aspect of your life. Today is the day. And last of all, his accomplishments. These are way too much. And in fact, next week we'll look at another chapter in Isaiah that goes into more depth of this. But I just want to, listen, I want to rattle these off because I want us to feel the weight of the future glory, of future grace. And, and these are all there in the text. And do not take these lightly. This is your future. This is your hope. This is your destiny. This is what he accomplishes. These are his after effects. When the Spirit of God comes down in fullness and he empowers salvation, these are the results. And these are the things we hunger for. These are the things we long for. Look, they will be called oaks of righteousness, strong and permanent, that he would be glorified, worshiped. They will rebuild, raise up, repair the ruins. They will be called priests and ministers. They will eat the wealth of nations, a double portion blessing, everlasting joy, everlasting covenant, offspring known among the nations, clothed with garments of righteousness and salvation. Righteousness and praise will spring up. You ought to go to every single one of these and feast because this is what God provides for us in Christ. What he's doing is reversing the curse and getting us back to Eden. No, no. We can't go back to Eden. We've been banished. Ah, he's taking us forward to the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, a new Jerusalem, which is both spiritual and eternal and powerful and tangible and real, a new heaven, a new earth. How in the world will all this happen? Driving out I-20 last Sunday afternoon, I saw a sign that said, three miles to Eden. (laughs) Man, that sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? We can go back to Eden and just take this exit in three miles. If if only, right? No. You're not going back here. It has to come down. It has to come down because of God and His grace. We can't climb up. We can't get there with any merit or goodness of our own because we have none. But he comes down. The Messiah's ministry. And he's the suffering servant who dies on the cross to pay our sin debt. He springs up. Did y'all notice the end of verse 16? That that, that he he dies, but but he springs up. And in him is life and life abundantly. So why should I care 
about the ministry of the Messiah. Because we are to cast our life, our soul, our own on who he is. And this is who he is. Not only that, but you and I are called to carry out a ministry like that of the Messiah. I could go back through this and preach it again and and, and say something like this. Are are, are you and I, where is it? Here it is. Are you you and I not anointed? Still sinful, but anointed. Filled with the Spirit. Are you and I not sent into the world? As he was sent? Are you and I not to proclaim the announcements of good news? Are you and I sent to the needy? And to all people? Are you and I to act and serve and put into practice all that he commanded? Are you and I to reflect these attributes? Are you and I to enter into his accomplishments with rest and worship and hope and joy? Of course. The Messiah's ministry, he now lives and works through us, his church. That's why it's important to know who Jesus is. Because not only do I need his salvation, I need and have his life living in and through me. You know, I've realized something the last few weeks as I've seen God's people minister. Let's just pick one of these. To, to, to bind up the brokenhearted. I mean, you don't have to look very far to find brokenhearted people. I kind of feel sometimes like the great theologian Tina Turner. Who, need, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken, right? The brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. Man, a couple of weeks ago, I, I announced to y'all that my, my mother-in-law's husband died instantly, suddenly. And you know what I noticed? Grace stabilizes people. Strength, strengthens people. God's grace binds up the broken heart. But how does that happen? Well, people go. People show up. They love, they pray, they speak, they encourage. It's kind of like you see on the football field when one of your guys gets injured and the guys run out on the field. Coaches run out on the field. Players run out on the field. First thing you got to do is stabilize them. Stabilize them. Get them off the field. Put them over there in that injury tent. Assess the situation. Then the goal is to what? Get them back out there competing. Get them back out there on the field. God is in the business of binding up and healing the the brokenhearted. That's not an instant thing. That's not an immediate thing. It is a process. That's just one aspect of the Messiah's ministry that you and I are called to put into practice. Hey, we need him, and we are called to serve like him and we will ultimately be like him. Thanks be to God for the Messiah's ministry. Father, we are grateful for your love, for your long-suffering. We sin and fall short of the glory of the Anointed One. But we are so grateful you sent him to live the life that we were supposed to live but never could to die a death that you and that we were supposed to die um, and deserve to die, but, but he did it on behalf of us. May our lives and our ministries reflect the ministry 
of the anointed one, Jesus. And it says in here, we shall be priests, we shall be ministers. You've made us all that in a special, unique way. And we pray that we would be obedient to your call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, Living for Jesus. What a great song to sum up what we are called to be and do. Thank you, Catherine. Hey, a couple of things as we close. We, uh, last Sunday had a, was that last Sunday, had a baby shower for Catherine and Russ? Or we have two more families that are adding new babies, Rebecca and Joe Banks, and then Bryson and Brooke Shoemate. Hey, we have two ways, or what one way to give to both families. There's, there's boxes, handmade wooden boxes. They're really cool, and they're in the welcome area. And so over the next few weeks, if you want a, a card, a gift, 
something for um, baby shoemake and, and baby banks, that's a way that you can bless them. Uh, and so we'll leave those out a few weeks. Uh, you'll see them in, in the welcome area. So we want to bless them with their, uh, as they both are expecting their, their second child. And then the other thing, what was the other thing? Chili cook-off. We already said enough about that. Oh, uh, Marsha Harper is improving. She's at home. Continue to pray for her. Miss Joe Washburn is improving. Uh, she's back at Encompass Rehab. And Billy Vaughn had a stint put in uh, this week, and he too is improving. His brother texted me this morning. So those are three folks that we were kind of thinking about in, in, in a special way and praying for in a, in a special way. I think that's all I have. Catherine, will you close this, please? There will not be choir practice here at Glenlock tonight because tonight is Franklin practice um, for the choir. And then Chili Cook-Off, um, and I'm sure a bunch of y'all are wondering, Rebecca is due the end of November, and Brooke is due the middle of December, right? Middle-ish, 20th, something like that. So, And I'm in the middle of them. So, you know, like within four weeks, we'll have like three babies, and it'll be really awesome. Let's sing Give Thanks together as our benediction. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. Give thanks. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you tonight for Chili.